This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. We've got lots to get into, but first and foremost, a sad note, the passing of Walter Gretzky, the father of Wayne Gretzky, as he dies at the age of 82. I'm not sure that there's a father in the four professional sports in North America that fans attach themselves to more than Walter. Of course, Wayne speaks for himself, but there wasn't anybody that was a fan of Wayne Gretzky that didn't know about Walter. He was an icon in Canada. The nation mourns. The NHL mourns. It's a story because he was someone that I think everybody that was a hockey fan knew about and how important he was in the history of hockey. And now as a father, I can only imagine what it would be like if one of my children turned out to be someone that had the attention that Wayne had, but he handled it so well. He was a people person, always somebody that would sit and talk with fans, with media. I never had the pleasure of meeting him, but knew a lot of people that did and had nothing but warm stories about Walter Gretzky, so he passes at the age of 82. Brent Seabrook has retired. The hip injuries really just became too much for him. 15 years of the National Hockey League with the Chicago Blackhawks, three Stanley Cups. He and Keith just made you know two of the best defensemen we've seen on one team for such a long time. It's really a shame that his career ended in the way that it did. He tried so hard at the age of 35 years old. Uh, to make it back. His quote was, it was hard to skate and keep up. I've been skating for three weeks prior, and it was a battle. It just never really gave me anything. It never got better. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd feel good, I'd skate for five minutes, and it would lock up. I couldn't push or pivot or turn. And it must be so difficult when you're trying to fight back, trying to extend your career, and your body just can't do it. And you just feel such a shame for him. But he was a major part of three Stanley Cups and a tremendous career in Chicago. Well, Daryl Sutter is back in the National Hockey League as a head coach, back with the Calgary Flames as he replaces Jeff Ward. Interesting timing, right? The Flames win 7-3 to three over the out with Senators, but this is a team that's really, really underachieved. Of course, Sutter won a Stanley Cup, actually two of them with the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, He was also the Flames head coach from 2002 to 2006 and was their general manager from 2003 to 2010. And it's not an interim situation. He assigned a a three-year contract with the Calgary Flames this year with an additional two. And he does have an immediate impact everywhere he goes. And this is still a team that can find their way into the playoffs for sure. Calgary right now sits two points back of Montreal for that final play spot in the north now Montreal does have two games in hand but there's still time for this 500 team at 11 11 and 2 to possibly uh, turn it around and we'll see what they do at the trade deadline and all that but I I do think that that's the right move Jeff Ward gone Daryl Sutter comes in I would not be surprised if you see the flames kind of click here uh, in the immediate future and might be able to parlay that into a postseason spot this year because certainly there is still time. Now, you look at last night's games and, of course, big story out of New Jersey with the Rangers win over the Devils by the final score of 6-1. to We start with Igor Shosturkin left the game with an apparent groin injury. They're calling it a lower body. I called the game last night, went down awkwardly, immediate in pain, couldn't put any pressure on his right leg, helped off the ice, helped to the dressing room. Now, today... David Quinn said, it doesn't look to be serious. He's still being analyzed by the doctors. Boy, it looks serious to me, but I would guess he'd be out for the foreseeable future. Keith Kincaid is the backup now to Alexander Georgiev. 
Likely Georgiev is going to be the goaltender for the immediate future. Rangers do have back-to-back games tomorrow in New Jersey and then Sunday night in Pittsburgh. But I think Georgiev, who hasn't played a lot over the last couple of years, you had the three-headed monster this year, last year, splitting time with Shesterkin this year. So we'll see if Georgiev gets maybe the rest of this road trip, and then we'll see what happens there. And the other story, Mika Zibanejad benched by David Quinn. He played less than four minutes in the first period, did not look good, didn't appear until there was nine minutes remaining in the second period, seemed to play better, but clearly this is now an issue. He has not scored a goal against the goaltender since week uh, since the second game of the season. He is just not the same player. And with Panarin out, you had Heal out for a while. You know, this is really just killing the team because he's a center, right? So if he's not going to be productive, then no matter who you put with him, they get dragged down as well. Is it the COVID? Is it whatever? I'm not sure. But at some point, you've got to do what's best for the team. You've got to put the best players on the ice. And Mika Zibanejad has not even been close to the best player for the New York Rangers. And, and remember, last year he had a career year with Panarin having a career year. And it would not have been enough to make the playoffs had the Rangers not had the pandemic and played an 82-game schedule. They played well. I still think they would have come up short. So now you're not getting that production from either of those two players, one because he's absent, the other because his skills just seem to have eroded. They've got to figure that out. Now, Chris Kreider's picked up the slack, two hat tricks in the last five games. Uh, But let's face it, as much as I like Chris Kreider and I think he's a leader, there has been inconsistency in his game as well. So we'll see. Uh, The Devils are a complete mess. Gave up another power play goal last night. This is a team that's clicking at less than 63% on the penalty kill. And I gave this stat during the game last night. The last time a team finished the season with a kill less than 70% was the 82-83 Los Angeles Kings. And that was at 68-plus. This is a team that's clicking at 62.5. A couple of games ago, they were under 60%. It's a mess. you know. And Blackwood could only do so much. He's under siege. It's a young team. They're playing without Nico Hishier. I get it. But... It's got to be killing Lindy Ruff, who's a defensive guy, and I think he's a really good coach, but things seem to be falling apart. New Jersey, eight straight losses at home as well. It's incredible. Well, the Islanders, the first of three straight games against the Buffalo Sabres, 45 shots on goal and a 5-2 win over the Sabres. You just got to love this Islanders team. Uh, I, I think that this is a team that's on their way. And you get two goals from Matt Martin. I mean, that's all you're looking for. Some good news, I guess, for the Buffalo Sabres is finally uh, Taylor Hall lights the lamp. His first time, I think, since the first game of the season. He's only got two goals on the year. Jets with a 4-3 win over the Canadians. That was in overtime. Fun game. Back and forth. Uh, Montreal lucky to get a point. But uh, the big goal... Um, comes in overtime as Dubois gets his fifth of the year with 30 seconds to go in overtime. Boy, if he starts to heat up, this Jets team can be a lot of fun. Hurricanes continue to march along. They beat the Red Wings by the final score of 5-2. to two. You, ju- you just got to love what this team is doing. They're getting goals from just about everybody on the ice. Jesper Foss contributed with his third goal of the year. They've been a lot of fun. What happened to the Pittsburgh Penguins? They scored the first three goals of the game. Looked like they're going to blow out the Flyers. But the Flyers come back with four unanswered goals as they win 4-3 to three 
in Pittsburgh over the Penguins. And, and that's important when we're talking about how wide open this division is. You get a three-goal lead any time in the game, and you walk away with zero points. That's going to be a problem. Pittsburgh two points back of now Boston for the final playoff spot in the East, although it's very, very fluid. But Pittsburgh's played 22 games. That's the second most in the division. So Pittsburgh, this is where they're going to be all year, guys. This is where they're going to be all year, teetering between four and five. Is it going to be enough to make the playoffs? I think this is a team that's getting by on guts, guile, championship form. I just don't think they're that good of a hockey team. They haven't been good on the road. What's bailed them out is how well they played at home. Didn't work last night as Philly uh, gets a big win, a big come-from-behind victory. One of the best overtimes you're ever going to see. Five minutes of back-and-forth hockey, but the Lightning win 3-2 to two over the Chicago Blackhawks. Finally, the overtime comes to an end as Kalorn gets credit for the goal on a deflection from a shot from Hedman with like a point one seconds left in overtime and the Lightning get the win there. Panthers continue to march on 5-4 win over the Nashville Predators. Contributions galore but the guy that I look at with Florida that really can make this team go is Huberto. We know how good he can be, and he gets his ninth goal of the season. Hornquist has been such a fine for them. He's already got 10 assists. Ekblad had a very good night as well as he picked up uh, a couple of big goals for them as the Panthers, 38 shots on goal for the win. Blue Jackets with a couple of wins in a row. Dallas in free fall as the Blue Jackets win 3-2. to two. Flames, despite firing their coach, put up a touchdown against the Senators 7-3. And the Canucks get revenge on losing to uh, the um, Leafs uh, earlier in the season. They get a 3-1 win over the Canucks. It was a tough spot for the Leafs, right? They played that 6-1 win against Edmonton the night before. And Edmonton and Vancouver were kind of close. I've made that trip before. You get in very late. Vancouver waiting for you. That was a tough spot for the Leafs. And it showed, especially in the second and third period, as a 1-1 game becomes a 3-1 victory for the Vancouver Canucks. All right, let's take a look at the games tonight. A bunch of them for a Friday. Six and all, Capitals and Bruins from Boston. Again, the Blackhawks and the Lightning from Chicago. Blues have been hot. They'll be in Los Angeles. Take on a Kings team that we should start talking about, you know, making the playoffs. This is a King that, Kings team that is in rebuild, but the playoffs are still a very distinct possibility for them. They're three points back in Minnesota. But, you know, you look at where they stand, like against St. Louis, like the game tonight. You know, the Kings, 22 points, and you look at St. Louis with 28 points. So there's not much of a separation there with the games in hand, too, because St. Louis has played 23 games to the Kings, 22. So they get a win tonight in regulation. You're three points back with two games in hand. They could jump all the way to second place. Keep an eye on that Los Angeles Kings team. Things are starting to click. They're getting good goaltending and recently just had a six-game winning streak. Nine o'clock tonight, the Ducks and the Avalanche from Colorado. Coyotes home for the Wild and the late game tonight, and it should be fun. A lot of goals, I would expect, as Vegas will be in San Jose to take on the Sharks. Well, it's Friday. Well, you know what Friday means. Don LaGreca's Friday Top 5. All right, I've gotten a lot of abuse for my Top 5 because there's always some fan of a team, and that team gets left out and everybody freaks out, okay? And also what ends up happening is when I put you in the Top 5, that's usually when you begin to struggle, and that's what happened to the Los Angeles Kings. I threw them into the Top 5, and what happens? They ended up losing, so... I apologize for that, but people end up uh, complaining about that. So I'm going to go with the top five, and let's start, of course, where you start a top five with five. Number five. I thought about this, and when you consider the number of games played, all right, 
And when you consider how well this team is at home with four consecutive wins, the Vegas Golden Knights, to me, are the best team in the Western Conference. And I've got them in the top five uh, for the first time in at least a few weeks. And as complete a team as you're ever going to see in the National Hockey League, for sure, no matter what's the goaltending, blue line, it's just it's all clicking for Vegas. I think they can come out of the Western Conference, if there was a Western Conference, but come out of their division, I should say, and be in the conference finals. I, I, I love what Vegas is doing this year. I love what Vegas has basically done in all four years they've been in existence, which is not just going to the Stanley Cup final, but consistently being a playoff team. I've got Vegas at number five. Number four. Let's get the Islanders in there at number four. They've won three games in a row, 7-2-1 and one in their last ten. Now, I know they're getting some bottom feeders here with New Jersey and Buffalo, but you know what? This is still a team that I think has proven themselves day in and day out. And when you get the contributions you're supposed to, especially with Lee, he scored again last night. Power play is getting better. The goaltending has been very consistent. And when you're getting contributions from that fourth line, which is so important for the Islanders, right? That's how they got to the conference final last year. That's how they swept the Penguins the year before in the postseason. I've got the Islanders at number four. Number three. You know, the Carolina Hurricanes, I understand that the division is something they could take advantage of, but they're good. they've been tested and they continue to pass the test. They've got the third best goal differential in the National Hockey League at plus 19. They've only lost once in regulation at home. They've won four in a row. Contributions galore from everybody. It doesn't matter who. They don't rely on just one guy. Um, Nikash has been tremendous for them. Um, they get all you can really ask for from Aho. Goaltending has been very good as well when it needs to be. I've got Carolina at three. Number two. Tampa's won six in a row, and I would not be surprised in that division if this team, off to a little bit of a slow start, just runs rough shot over everybody else. Best goal differential in the National Hockey League at plus 33. Won nine of ten games at home. Only three losses in regulation on the road, and that's why with a 16-4-1 record, they are just tremendous. And they've played four less games than the top team. I've got Tampa at number two. Number one. And this might be the last week for Toronto at one because Tampa eventually is going to overtake them. But you know what? Give Toronto a lot of credit. And here's where I give Toronto the nod, even though they've got four more games played than Tampa and only a three-point lead on Tampa. Their goal differential's right there at plus 29. It's just the travel, right? 7-2-1. You know, they've how many times you got to go to Western Canada? Uh, that division is just so competitive. It's so wide open. They have had to play uh, with some injuries as well as Matthews missed that game the other day. But uh, listen, I'm not sure they're going to be able to hold on to it. I just have a lot of respect for the travel and the competition and the rivalries they've got to face day in and day out as opposed to Tampa and Carolina and Florida and the division that they're in. I'm sorry, you can take advantage of having some of the teams that just aren't really that great in that division as compared to what um, the Canadian division has and how wide open it is. But still, the travel, I think, is a big deal. You know, but when, you, when you're able to beat up on a Nashville team that's not really very good this year, a Detroit team that's in a rebuild, Dallas is in free fall with four consecutive losses and a team that's only won twice, Uh, on the road this year uh, that's something that's going to kind of take advantage so at least for now I'm going to have Toronto at number one but believe me Tampa is number two with a bullet all right let's hear from you at Don LaGreca hashtag game misconduct and let's go to Gabagaloo or however you say it I'm probably saying it Gabagaloo Gabagaloo all right 
Donnie, where can I listen to your calls of Ranger games? Are replays available anywhere? Also, where is my Friday edition of Game Misconduct at? Well, I'm making it now, and this is usually when I record it. I usually record it between 1.30 and 2.15 Eastern time, so it'll be up a little bit later on the day. Anthony does a great job uh, for the turnaround. Uh, but no, there's no place to get replays of the calls. The games do not get replayed, but maybe if you fish through the internet, maybe I can tweet some of them out to you, but that's not where we stand right now. Courtney says, hi, Don. Happy Friday. I thought I'd weigh in on the Friday top five, so here's my current top five. Jets, because they need some love. Thought about Florida and Boston here. Four, the Canes. Three, the Golden Knights. Two, the Leafs. And one, the Lightning. We're not that far off there, so good job, Courtney. Good to hear from you. Uh, Tony says, looking at the Leafs situation coming up near the deadline, what are the odds of them adding a veteran on defense or another veteran rental forward? Also, when it comes to retro jerseys, the Coyotes one is one. Uh, the Coyotes one is one of the best hands down. I, I can't put it in the same category as the Kings or the Minnesota Wild, but they are pretty good. I always called them the Picasso logo uniforms, but they are they are pretty good. Here's the situation with the Leafs and making a deal. Right, all these Canadian teams is that when you make a deal, it's got to be for the playoffs because of the two-week quarantine. So if you make a deal right now, that player is not going to be available to you until we get into the midway portion of March. So you might not have them for four, five, maybe even six games after the deal is made. So you would have to make a deal for the playoffs, which Toronto can do because I think they're going to win that division and be a top seed when they get into the playoffs. Adding a defenseman, as EJ Raddick said, and he's always said when we did NHL Live together, you just can't go to the NHL store and buy a defenseman. It's difficult to get one, and it's going to have to pull some teeth. But they will make maintenance deals like I talk about for some depth, but they're not going to get a big-time defenseman. They're not going to get a big-time forward. Maybe you get somebody to help you with face-offs. Maybe you get maybe a a third pairing, maybe a fourth defenseman, something of that ilk, but it's going to be very difficult uh, to make moves at this trading deadline because of the situation that they're in. Uh, David Hines says, two coaches down. Who do you see as the next coach that will get shown the door? Kruger, Quinn, Tortorella are popular picks, but I'm wondering about uh, Travis Green and also Dave Tippett since he's frustrated with his team's effort. Well, all those are great candidates. I'm surprised Travis Green still has a job right now, but maybe because that division is wide open. I really thought with the firing of Claude Julien that some team would make the move just to bring Julian in. I was surprised that Calgary was quick with the trigger the way they were, but maybe it was just a situation of the knowledge they have of Daryl Sutter just made it an easier move. Quinn's not going anywhere. The, the Blue Jackets have turned it around with a couple of wins in a row since the rumors started about Tortorella. Kruger, I think, will be the next ball to drop. Buffalo's not winning anytime soon. And I think Claude Julian would be a good fit there. I think he would be next. Richard says, top five. Hey, Don, what do you think about Ryan Lindgren or Adam Fox as early candidates for the Rangers' Stephen McDonald Extra Effort Award? Well, here we go. Adam Fox is the guy. I, when you look at that team, okay, now it's tough to conclude Panarin because he's been absent. And certainly Zabanajad's having a tough year. Kreider's been hot right now. But there has not been one player more consistent on the New York Rangers than Adam Fox, period. End of story. He's the guy. Ryan Lindgren's up there, but Adam Fox is the guy. 
Uh, Jim White says, hey, Don, I have no issues with the amount of Ovi's fine. Of course, we saw that little uh, groin shot that he had, $5,000, which is the max under the CBA. I do have an issue with the lack of suspension. Is Ovi not a repeat offender? Had this been Brad Marchand, it's likely that he would have gotten a fine plus a game. I'm surprised as well. Yeah, you hope it's not because, well, you're getting close to the weekend. Let me see if they're playing on national television. Uh, the Washington Capitals, who seem to routinely do that. They're playing tonight, but that game's not on uh, NBC Sportsnet. Let me just look here as my computer's buffering here. Now, the NBC game on Saturday, um, or excuse me, on Sundays, the Islanders. No, that's nothing to do with any nationally televised games that I can see. I don't know. He's a repeat offender, but he's not somebody that I would consider a dirty, dirty player. Uh, but yeah, I would have given him a game. I mean, it's obvious. You know, it's obvious what the intent was. You can't say that it was any kind of a move that was an accident. You know, maybe the star player that doesn't have quite the reputation of, uh, say, him or a Lemieux, uh, Marchand or a Lemieux, that might have gotten um, tagged with something. But hey, I would have probably given him the one game suspension for sure. That that's just not stuff that you want to see in this league. Tommy P says. Um, Sucks to hear about Seabrook. He got a lot of negativity because of his large contract. Without him, Chicago doesn't win 13 and 14 Cups, the 2012-2013 the, uh, team, and, of course, the 14-15 team. Now he goes on the long-term IR. Hawks have space to make a trade or two if still contending at the deadline, and I think they will. I think this is a team that is going to try to make a move, try to get into the playoffs, try to accelerate the rebuild. I don't know how sustainable what they're doing is. You know, maybe they get a little bit healthier as we get closer, but right now Chicago is a playoff team with 29 points. The problem with them is that they played 24 games. But the good news is Columbus has played 25, so they still have a game in hand on the team that's chasing after them with a four-point lead. Now, is it sustainable? Goal against average is still a plus four, so um, or the plus minus is still like teetering there. But they they're six three and one in their last ten. They're very competitive. Here is what I would say about uh, the Blackhawks moving forward, and this is going to be a very very interesting week for them as we get going because they've got back-to-back games against Tampa. They lost last night. they got another game coming against Tampa and then another one, so three straight games against Tampa. Then they hit the road, two against Dallas. That's a bit of a break. Stars are struggling. But then two against Florida, two against Tampa Bay. Then they go home for two against Florida. So when you take a look at this road trip and then coming back home, the schedule gets a lot tougher. So let's see where Chicago is as we get to April. It's going to be a very interesting month for the Chicago Blackhawks. All right, this was fun. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct is always the way to get in touch with me. I think I probably aggravated a few people with my top five, but let's contribute. Let's have some fun. Um, hopefully, we'll have a little bit more of an update on Shesterkin by the time we come back on Monday. What coaches are going to get fired should be a lot of fun. We're way past the quarter pole now. It's getting interesting. Should be a lot of fun the rest of the way. EJ Raddick joins us on Monday, so we'll talk to him. Thank you so much for participating. Have a fabulous week. Weekend. I'll talk to you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.